Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 now you notice here that the author says that they were filled to the brim and john the author he wants us to to know that because he wants us to know that there was no room for anything else to be added to the water you know the centuries that followed somebody might have suggested well they added something to the water and the apostle john foresaw that possibility he says nope they were filled to the brim with water Jesus never touched the jars. Jesus never touched the water. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands right here in the Bay Area in San Bruno. And he's continuing in the book of John, as he indicated, and we'll pick up in chapter 2 in a moment. I'm Mike Trout. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands, and they're on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Jesus told the servants to take and dip some out and take it to what we would call the head waiter. He was the one who was responsible for the seating of the guests and the correct running of the feast. And when he tasted this water that had become wine, he was astonished. Now, the word methusko, drink freely, literally means to become drunk. And it's translated that way elsewhere in the New Testament. And it doesn't necessarily mean that in this particular wedding that people were getting drunk. It was the head uh, waiter probably had, an exper- had experiences at multiple weddings, and that can happen at weddings. And then the author rounds off the narrative with a reminder of the nature of the event and its effects on the disciples. And he says this is the first of Jesus' miracles, but he doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs. He calls them signs. Now, that word is not insignificant. You see, it's, it's not so much that he tells us this to arouse our wonder or that it's hard to explain what took place, or that this was an exhibition of divine power. But this was given to point us. It was a sign to something else, something beyond the event itself. It shows God at work. It reveals God's nature. It points to something beyond just the event itself. So then, what are some of the signs that we can extract from this story? Well... For one thing, one sign is the sanctity of marriage in the sight of Jesus, in the sight of God. His his first miracle, Jesus' first miracle, was at the wedding in a little village in Galilee. It was the first glimpse that the disciples had of his glory. It happened at a wedding feast, a party, a place of great festivity and joy. You know, there are some people that think that Jesus, Jesus is God, so think that God is a killjoy, that he's distant and he's severe and he's got a disapproving look. But that isn't the Jesus that we know in the scriptures at all. Um, He loved to be in a party. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you'll find out Jesus was always being invited to a party. Everybody wanted him to be around. He was just a lot of fun to be with. You know why? Because he had a sense of humor. Jesus had a sense of humor. That may be a surprise to some of you folks, but Jesus had a sense of humor. It's recorded for us in the Scripture. Now, it might be lost upon us because Jesus was Jewish, his audience was Jewish, and the humor was Jewish. 
right? So it might be lost upon. Let me give you an example. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us this picture, a visual picture of someone trying to extract a sliver from the eye of somebody else while this log is hanging out of their own eye. Now, that visual picture was hilarious to that audience. They were cracking up, and it's completely lost on us Westerners because we tend to be analytical. We, we're asking questions like, what was the log made of? Was it pine or was it redwood? What were the dimensions of the log? You know? Western minds tend to be analytical. And that's why we're more prone to evaluate than value. So one of the reasons that Jesus' popularity gained so quickly was he had a great sense of humor. C.H. Spurgeon, in his book, Lectures to My Students, had some advice. He said, any individual who has no geniality, no joy about him, had better be an undertaker and bury the dead, for he will never succeed in influencing the living. I commend cheerfulness to all who would win souls, not levity and frothiness, but a genial, happy spirit. There are more flies caught with honey than with vinegar, and there will be more souls led to heaven by a man who wears heaven in his face than by one who wears tartarus, or disapproving judgment in his looks. So by his attending and performing his first miracle, At a wedding, Jesus sanctified both the institution of marriage and the ceremony itself. You see, before sin entered this world, marriage was created by God. It was his very first institution. Now, mankind recognizes that a creator is entitled to have a patent on their creation. And there are some people today who are trying to redefine marriage. But God has the patent. God has established that marriage is a lifetime covenant between one born man and one born woman. And the ceremonies appoint in time at which both the man and the woman make a public vow to one another of holy matrimony. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament view the public ceremony as a necessary part of marriage. Notice something else. Notice where it happened. It happened in a humble little village in Galilee. It didn't take place in the huge temple. It didn't take place in a, in a large palace. It didn't take place in the presence of vast crowds. It was done in a little home of a poor couple. And it tells us that God wants to be brought right into the ordinary things of life. It tells us that he thinks highly of the home. The Revised Standard Version says he manifested forth his glory, and that manifestation took place in a home. The lesson for us is this. Jesus just as much wants to be among us in our homes as in our churches. Now, third, notice why it happened. We've already seen that hospitality in the East is a sacred duty. And what Jesus did that day was to save this poor, humble, Galilean couple from great embarrassment and shame. Jesus was moved in sympathy, in kindness, and compassion, and understanding, and a care and concern for simple, common, poor people. That's why he acted. Now contrast Jesus with the Pharisees. Jesus protected people from embarrassment and shame. The Pharisees took delight in exposing people to shame. In fact, they looked for opportunities to do so. 
Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery? The Pharisees didn't come to Jesus quietly and say, we've got a situation we want to talk with you about. They brought her into the middle of his teaching in the middle of the day to expose her to ridicule and shame. Our God is a gracious God. And churches across America would be much happier places if their members modeled their behavior after Jesus rather than the Pharisees. So Jesus, the king of life, the king of glory, used his power to save a simple, poor Galilean couple from humiliation. And so do his followers. We follow his example by looking for opportunities to help others who are in need. There's also something of of great significance here. Because there's an interesting connection between the beginning of Jesus' ministry and the culmination of it. In Revelation chapter 19, it says there's going to be a great big homecoming. It's called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. It's where God is going to throw a great big wedding party in heaven. And all of the people who are redeemed are going to go there and and be with Him forever. It's a beautiful event at the end of this age. And so it it seems like Jesus initiated everything with a wedding celebration and party, and he concludes everything with a wedding celebration and party. Makes sense, then, why Jesus would begin his ministry at a wedding. Concerning this, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Something sacred about marriage where it reflects the nature of the relationship between Christ and his church. That's lesson number one. That's sign number one. What's sign number two? Jesus made wine. Another way of saying it is Jesus was a winemaker. Now, wine was a staple drink in the East, and due to the warm climate, lack of refrigeration and purification, juice tended to ferment. The result was an alcoholic beverage with the capability of inducing drunkenness. Now, according to the Bible, there are some things that people should not touch. There's a list of ten commandments that's provided for us in Exodus chapter 20, most of which begin with the words, Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness, gossip, or lie. These are things that should not be done. As the songwriter said, what part of not do you not understand? There are some things that people should never touch. But there are other things that God made for us to enjoy in moderation. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. In moderation, food is a delicious gift of God. Aren't you glad somebody knows how to make food taste good? Aren't you glad God gave you taste buds? Could you imagine if God made it possible for food to taste good and didn't give you taste buds? Or gave you taste buds, but not the ability to make food taste good. Or gave you the ability to see in color but made everything in black and white, or gave you the ability to see in black and white and made everything in color. In moderation, food is a delicious gift from God. But out of moderation, it is gluttony. In moderation, wine is a gift from God. But outside of moderation, it becomes drunkenness. 
In moderation, prosperity is a gift from God. But outside of moderation, it becomes greed. Now, there are some things that God said people should not touch. And there are other things that God said people should enjoy in moderation. The Bible does not forbid drinking wine. And even in a few cases, commends it. But it strongly condemns drunkenness. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and this is a broadcast called Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And if you appreciate the teaching of Pastor Leighton, won't you encourage him by sending a note? Just click on the contact link when you go to their website, and it's there on the homepage. The website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You can also link through to Highlands Christian Schools, providing a Christian education for more than 60 years here in the Bay Area. The details again for Highlands Christian Schools can be found by linking through from highlands.us. Join us tomorrow when we come back at this same time and continue to study in the book of John verse by verse. I'm Mike Trout. And this broadcast is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.